0: this is the Ed Genius podcast The Ed Genius podcast brings you the tried true and proven of online education to help you provide a better learning experience for your students I'm Rob Letcher and on the Ed Genius podcast I talk with teachers students and edtech leaders about their online teaching and learning successes and failures and what they've learned from both I want you to think back to when you studied biology or life science in school. Remember learning about ecosystems? In an ecosystem, there's different levels, and each level has sets of living and non-living elements. The sun, wind, rain, and dirt are some of the non-living elements. Plants, insects, and animals are the living elements. But what makes the idea of an ecosystem is the second half of that term system. All of the elements are intertwined, each reacting to and from each other in different ways. And when one element changes, others are affected. For example, when the food source of an animal is suddenly wiped out, the animals that used it for food either suffer and die out, or they evolve, finding a different food source on which to survive. Sometimes this means acting in ways that they never had to before, And sometimes the evolved species walks away healthier and more robust than before. Those of us in the modern learning ecosystem have recently needed to do just this die off or evolve to survive. Maybe not die off so much as give up, or just get along until we get out from under the COVID 19 pandemic and get back to normal. Air quotes. But some have evolved during these challenging times, and found, well, may have found, that they kind of like the new normal, or at least certain parts of it. The same is true for this week's guest. Kristen Porter, like millions of other teachers, found herself faced with the challenge of teaching online after only ever having taught in brick and mortar settings for almost three decades. And if you thought teaching history, math, or ELA online is tough, try teaching drama online. After earning her BA in theater arts, Kristen began teaching English and drama in 1993. In addition to performances in school and community theater, she's been part of the San Francisco Hysterical Society, Scriptease, and Comedy Sports. She currently teaches Drama 1, 2, and three, four, plus an improvisation class in Hollister, California. So, Kristen, thank you for joining us here on Ed Genius. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, tell me a little bit about your teaching experience and like that whole situation right before the pandemic hit. Like, what did what did your life look like? Your teaching life.
1: Well, I uh, am full-time drama at a high school, so that was a couple of drama one classes, a drama two, a drama three, four, and an improvisation class, which was super fun. A lot of drama programs don't offer a full year of improv. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, our drama club was about to open Greece. We had a show scheduled for Wednesday, and we locked down... On the Friday before we
0: opened. Uh, It's got to be so frustrating for the kids.
1: Uh, Yeah, I was really sad, sad for them because, you know, they've been working since January. And for, you know, the seniors, it was going to be their last show. And then for the juniors, they didn't know that was going to be their last show. Right. Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking.
0: And were you were you all in one one high school location doing all those courses?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. We have about 3,300 students now, so it's a large high school.
0: That's big.
1: Yeah, and our cast is usually 50 to 60 kids.
0: Wow. So then lockdown happened, right? Uh, pandemic hit. And what did your teaching experience look like then? What was that spring of 2020? What was, what was teaching and learning at your school in your district?
1: Well, um, we were told we needed to come up with weekly curricula. For, for me, that was for four different courses. And uh, we needed to write it in a certain format, get it out to there. Of course, grade any work that came in, which was fine. I had to be creative. I had to find some resources to to help me figure that out. And there was a time slot where we could Zoom with students, but it was the same time slot as the P classes. And the students were told, nothing you do or do not do after mid-March is going to affect your grade. So there's hmm. really no incentive for them. So to-
0: lots of incentive for them to really... Right.
1: <laughs> right. So, you know, there's always those kids who you know, enjoy school, enjoy the drama activities. So some of them did the work, which was great, but there was no accountability. So they didn't have the incentive Mm -hmm. to come to a Zoom class and do homework. And so it was was challenging. And it felt like a lot of work was required of us with no point to it.
0: With like no payback, right? No. Right. Right no, no gain in student learning or engagement. It's just, you, you were, I have some, I've talked about you are building a a beautiful corpse, (laughs) You're (laughs) spending a lot of time and money and effort on something that no one's ever going to use. Wow. So that summer, did you sort of know that you weren't going back to a classroom and that you had to be prepared for online teaching in the fall? Or did the district prepare you for that to say, Hey, Get ready because we're not going back anytime soon.
1: Well, uh, I think this decision was made mid-July. And after surveying the students, they said we cannot handle six classes online. So rather than have them take six classes for 18 weeks, they would take two for six weeks and then the next two and then the next two. So they...
0: Like a three uh, block.
1: Yeah. And they would have one class uh, via Zoom for 75 minutes, Monday and Thursday, their second class would be Tuesday and Friday, 75 minutes, and then on Wednesdays, they would meet with both classes for 45 minutes. The challenging part was that we were told they needed four hours of education every day. So in addition to a 75-minute class, we had to prepare two and a half hours of asynchronous work homework. So that took a lot of research and planning, creating, redesigning curricula to create that work that I wasn't using before the pandemic.
0: So was there there any um, talk of acquiring sort of pre-made online curriculum that teachers could have used? Or was that never a consideration?
1: I don't think so. Um, but I had the ability to do that because I started teaching drama in 1993. So I had a lot of resources. I, I found groups of other teachers exploring teaching drama online. Um, I, between mid-July and end of September, for 10 weeks, I worked 10 hours a day, seven days a week preparing for this and creating good stuff so my students would actually get a good drama education in you know six weeks per semester that was meaningful I, you know obviously I had to trim some curriculum and some things wouldn't work very well online but I made it work I was dedicated to putting in the hours to make it good for my students I, I think
0: it paid off That's great. So the the district, and this is no criticism of your district or anything like that, but what was there, uh, what kind of support professional development was provided to teachers who sounds like, like you had no experience, previous experience teaching online.
1: Right. I, the first two weeks before school, I think I attended about 15 hours of professional development learning a lot of different technologies, different applications, and some were wonderful, and I've used for the past eight months. Some not so much, but there. And these were volunteer hours. Some we got paid for, some we didn't. Um, but I had I had to open my mind and be willing to learn a lot of technology, a lot of new
0: technology. Was that difficult?
1: It, it, some of it was, and some of it I couldn't get to work correctly. Mm. Um, but things like Flipgrid and Edpuzzle and Google Forms have been invaluable. I, I've tried to create slideshows of my quote lectures and use Pear Deck, but that didn't, it was good. I used it on a, a couple. Of things, but I haven't used it as much. But yeah, there were things I I just got completely overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, well, and sometimes I think I mean, a it's it, it's great that the district made that available. You mentioned that some of it or a lot of it was quote unquote volunteer hours. Is that because it's it uh, it was offered before the contract year started?
1: No, so okay. two weeks before class started. Our union set up some professional development on specific things that some of our teachers use all the time. So they were very knowledgeable. We did not get paid for attending those sessions. And then the district set up sessions, which were on different technologies that we did get paid for. So I attended mm. many of both of those
0: And so what I've been hearing you say is that you had professional development on the technology pieces. Was there anything, was there ever any professional development about um, different teaching strategies, specifically independent of of the technology, teaching strategies or theory behind online learning and teaching? I don't remember
1: any, but that doesn't mean they didn't. Sure. Um, I was just so focused on trying to use technology to make an online curriculum work that I may not remember what else (laughs) we focused on.
0: Well, it sounds very boot camp like, right? Like you're just trying to squeeze everything in at at, in a very short period of time.
1: Uh, Yeah. Like I said, I, I worked intense hours. I'm still working long hours, but 70 hours a week for 10 weeks. To because I like to be prepared. I'm not somebody who thinks of what they're going to do the night before. I have my entire semester planned out, pretty much. So and yet you teach improv. (laughs) And yet I teach improv because a plan doesn't always work, and you have to (laughs) switch gears. And I have been adapting for the last eight months.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what you, what you talked about in terms of prepping for the new year, you you, you knew that you were going to be needing to move online again. Um, you investigated new technologies. You learned new technologies. You did some research. It's great that you found some online groups of people teaching drama. If you wouldn't mind, um, after our, our conversation, if you wouldn't mind sending me some links and I could put them in the description of sure. groups that you found to be helpful. And then I'm sure other people listening Would love, uh, love to, to look those folks up.
1: We've not only been sharing ideas, we've been sharing our resources, our lessons, and uh, that has been so helpful, so helpful.
0: So you're actually sharing, you know, you're, it's like teachers pay teachers, but maybe it's all free, right? Yes. So how in the world do you teach drama online? That feels to me like it would be, uh, you know, a a very difficult task.
1: I wasn't sure how it was going to work. And my students, I have a comedy sports high school league team. And some of those students who have been doing improv for two, three, four years were resistant. And they weren't, I had a lot of people. Um when I sent out surveys, a lot of my students would go, "How is this going to work? you know, before class? questioning and and unsure. Um, and then could you could have, you actually
0: uh, just pause for a second. Can you tell us what comedy sports tell us about uh, that because in case people aren't aren't familiar?
1: Yeah, comedy sports is part of the National Comedy League of America. We have, I want to say twenty five to thirty teams across the country, plus England and Germany. Um, It is comedy as a sport. There are two teams. They compete. There are rules and points. There's a referee. There are fouls. um, We get the audience involved. But the best thing about comedy sports, it it is 100% family friendly, completely appropriate. Um, So it is perfect for high school students and their families to come see the shows.
0: That's great. That's great. So sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, No, that's fine. So so you're saying some of the students were like, "Ah, how is this going to work? They were resistant. What were they besides just not understanding how it would work? What was their point of resistance?
1: Well, they are that my my experienced improv students know you use your whole body. You physicalize, you put action in the scene, you pantomime, you interact closely with the other people in the scene. And they didn't know how that was going to translate through a screen when they were not sharing a space, but they learned to adapt and they learned to uh, make the best of the situation and realize a lot of what we were doing, we can do, they can still, you know, run and they can still pantomime, you know, pantomime running. Um, They can still be active and interact. They've learned to, you know, physically hand something into the camera to another person. And that person would reach up and pretend they were receiving the object. And they realized uh, that's the best we can do, but they made it work. They ended that's up,
0: great. Yeah, they were troopers. In In teaching online, teaching drama online now, have you discovered anything that it's allowed you to do that you couldn't do in person? with from a drama perspective or an improv, uh perspective? That is a great question. Um, I
1: design my curricula so that there's a lot of partner and group work and they learn this very valuable work skill that you may have to work closely with someone you may not hang out with outside of work or class or even like in person, but you need to be able to work with those people so um that usually looks like kids inside and outside in little groups my wandering around constantly monitoring helping answering questions and i found that the breakout rooms work really well for that Hmm. um it's not that it works better than in person but they kind of like that privacy because when they're working in a team, and then I walk up to them, they get very shy. They don't like my standing over them, listening to what they're doing. So it's usually like, do you have any questions? Need any help? No. Would you like me to go away? Yes, please. <laughs> so, um, In the breakout room, it's it's a safe environment for them. So that has worked really well. I don't know if I can think of anything that actually works better. Um, the computer, I, I didn't really use a lot of, um, I use Google Classroom a little bit, but I had to put so much stuff online into Google Classroom that I found, um, it's, it's nice. I can, I can grade it. I can send feedback right there. Um, I was always a, a an old fashioned paper in my hands teacher, So I've had to adapt and found that it actually works well. And my lectures I put online in a slideshow and they have to either fill out closed notes or answer questions on a form. Um, And so that saved time that I didn't need to spend 20 minutes teaching. I still held them accountable for the, the knowing the information. So Again, I don't know if it was better, but I definitely found ways to make it work
0: well. It sounds like maybe the use of the technology has streamlined, at the very least, your some of your planning and paperwork flow, uh, grading flow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really assign that much homework in my classes before. They um, responded after they performed improv, and after a few weeks, they would do a reflection paper that was fascinating to read as they looked at their own performances and other people's. Um, They would have to create characters um, and answer a lot of questions when they were doing a monologue or a scene. Um, And of course, memorizing was homework, but not written work. So the amount of actual written work increased exponentially.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: Well, yeah, two and a half hours of work four days a week that I had to prepare for them and then grade.
0: It's been crazy. Have you had them uh, recording, doing like video recordings of themselves for any of that homework?
1: Uh, Yes, I utilize Flipgrid, a lot and sometimes they record something just for me and sometimes they record something that everyone in the class will see Uh, with my improv students a lot also drama two and three they they need to watch five other recordings and write up observations Um, Mm -hmm. and that has been really good I've, I've used Flipgrid a lot
0: this year if you could keep teaching drama completely online would you
1: well i've thought about that and it's better in person under normal circumstances definitely however the restrictions of returning to the classroom during the pandemic it's not going to be good for the drama classes And so I am trying to keep them online for the last six weeks. Um, The district doesn't seem interested in having a conversation with me about it. So if the opportunity came to go somewhere else and teach online, I would definitely, definitely consider it. Because I know I created curricula for four courses that was meaningful and they learned a lot it wasn't a wasted year. I hear a lot of people talk about this being a wasted year or a lost year. I don't Mm. believe that happened with my students. So I think I could do a good job continuing online only. I don't know if I would prefer it over normal circumstances back in the classroom.
0: If you were to continue teaching drama online long term, what would you want to be different, uh, either about the way you've approached us so far or available technology? What's your wish list?
1: Hmm. I think I have things well under control. Our district has supplied every student with a Chromebook and every student who needed a hotspot a hotspot. We still have trouble with technology, especially if they have a house full of people trying to do online school or work at the same time. Um, But that would be out of my control is making sure they had the technology. Um, I found great use, like I said, with Flipgrid and Edpuzzle, the whole Google platform, their school email connected to Google Classroom, which connects to our Aries program. Um, all of that have allowed me to make it work. So as long as I still had all of that technology to support me and somebody to support me when I had questions or difficulties, I, I think that's all I would need.
0: So that inter- that integration of tools that you're, you've experienced with Google Classroom, that's made a huge difference in terms of easing the transition.
1: Yes, and um I feel very fortunate that we're using the Google platform
0: so Kristen, at the end of every interview, I ask my guests to share some tips on how uh, people can improve their online teaching or learning so i um I usually ask for one for teachers, one for administrators, and one for ed tech or content providers, like people like the companies that you we talked about, Classlink and Google and uh, Pear Deck and all of those. So what are your tips for teachers, admins and others?
1: Let me start with the ed tech because that's I'm I'm least passionate about. <laughs> um, yeah. We have been exploring assessment platforms, though. And um, they're very data-driven, which is great for administrators because they want to collect all the information on us. But so many classes, their assessments are project or performance-based, you know, pretty much everything, the visual and performing arts. And we utilize rubrics, which don't seem to work well with any of the assessment platforms we have been looking at. And they are catered towards the core, and they have English and math standards and a bank of questions, but nothing really for the visual and performing arts. So it would be great if they started considering how those classes work differently. Which leads me to one of my comments is, we know in education that the one-size-fits-all approach does not work. So we know students have different needs. We do scaffolding and have accommodations and modifications. And it would be great if administrators stopped looking at teachers and courses from that perspective of one size fits all. We are all going back to the classroom. We are not being heard, listened to. Our expertise and experiences are not being valued Um It will be better for the drama students to remain online rather than try to communicate six feet away through masks. Well, if you're doing a three-person improv scene, two people are 12 feet away. If you had a fourth, now they're 18 feet away. And we can't do group work. We can't do partner work, which is so valuable. So administrators, listen to your teachers, value them and their viewpoints. Um, for teachers, don't be afraid to ask your students to go beyond their comfort level. They will reach our expectations when we are there, guiding them and encouraging them. Um, we can still have valuable learning experiences online for our students, even in a class such as improvisation, which is so active and interactive. Um, I said this already, but, you know, my students have not lost a year of education they have risen uh to the demands of online learning and they have done great so yeah have faith in them don't it may take a lot of work to make your curricula work online but it's totally worth it
0: that's great i, I really appreciate all of those words i'm sure Our listeners do as well. And I just want to say, Kristen Porter, thank you so much for being our Ed Genius for this week.
1: You're very welcome. It was a pleasure. Thanks again for the invitation.
0: That's all the time we have for this episode of Ed Genius. I want to once again thank our Ed Genius this week, Kristen Porter, drama and improv teacher out of Hollister, California. And of course, special shout out to Crowinder, whose song Funhouse you heard at the beginning of the show and again now. You can hear more at CrowEnder.com. I'll leave you with the immortal words of Andy McIntyre. If you think education is expensive, try Ignorance.